Hey, it's Wednesday night. Uh, thanks for joining us online today for our time for our Bible study. It's uh, good to be with you uh, to, again today. We're trying this a little bit different. Um, in the past, we've kind of been in our studio here at the church that so we've thrown together, but now we're using uh, my beautiful um, office with all of my books in the background and pictures of me and my family. Um, and so we're, we're uh, filming this here in my my office tonight. So uh, thanks for watching this uh, here on Facebook Live and also on YouTube and also on our website. Um, thanks for joining in. Comment below with questions, things such as that. So we're, but we're thankful that you're uh, choosing to um, spend some time about in, in, the, in the Word with us tonight in James. We're, we're in James again tonight. Uh, we're in James chapter uh, 4, where uh, last week we talked about um, verses 1 through 10, where we talked about friendship with the world and what that means. Tonight we'll close out with... Um, with um, verses 11 through uh, 17, and then if we have time, we'll, we'll get into um, we'll get into chapter five. So we're going to pick up tonight with James chapter four, uh, starting with verse 11, and then continuing to the end of the chapter. We'll read verses one. We'll read 11 through 12 first. There one section, and then we'll fit, read 13 through 17. So first, and I'm reading for the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible tonight. Um, this is James 4, 11 through 12. He writes these words. Do not speak evil of one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Um, he's, he's There's a lot of conflict and dissension uh, in the churches that James is writing to. You've seen this throughout the letter, uh, a lot of their conflict about worldly possessions and worldly things and rich and poor and things like this. So here here we have a, a section about speaking ill against each other. Um, this is a, appropriate uh, for the season we find ourselves in. Now, don't we? Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters. Whoever speaks evil against against another or judges another speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Now, why, why is that? Because we're we're told we're told to live. James is all about. Remember, he's speaking to Christians. He's not speaking to folks who are new Christians or people who are just understanding what Christianity is. He's speaking to people who have been Christians for a while. He's especially speaking to those who have been um, formed in the Jewish tradition. They they would have had a very strong understanding of the law but had a very strong understanding of what this looks like. So he's speaking to people who understand um, the law. So he's saying when you speak ill of someone else, we're, you're, you're speaking ill against the law. It's because the law was clear that we're not supposed to do this. He, he's relying upon their understanding of the Old Testament, relying upon their understanding of the law. So as a Christian, you shouldn't speak ill of anyone because the law tells us not to. I mean, nothing else. The law tells us to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. So there's a clear understanding from the law that we're not supposed to speak ill of each other. So James then says, so if you speak ill of one another, then you're judging the law. You're saying you know better because the law tells you not to do this. And here you are doing it. So you're by that implying that you are more holy or you are more righteous than the law itself. And for a Jewish mind, for someone in James' day that comes from a Jewish tradition, that's just that's a statement they would never dream of. They would never dream of saying that or speaking that. That's simply not a line of thought that someone in James's day would even pretend to think through. They would never say they were holier than the law or more just than the law or more righteous than the law. That's just simply not a way of thinking. So James is saying, if you speak ill against uh, another 
or judge another, you're speaking ill against the law and judging the law. Um, if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of the law. And you shouldn't do that because there's only one lawgiver and judge who's able to save through destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? Um, the Bible talks a lot about judgment. And that is um, an interesting thing to talk about. Um, the Bible does say judge not lest you be judged yourself. So there's a prohibition in Scripture um, for us to avoid judgment of people. There is. But to say, I think our culture uses this don't, you, you only God can judge me is a, is a phrase you hear a lot in culture. And that phrase sounds, sounds good. Sounds, sounds nice. But we don't really want God to judge us. Because if God judges us, it won't be good. If God brings judgment, we will all stand condemned. I, I think of something, um, I think I've shared it with you before on social media. Uh, Dr. Nick used to always say, let's be very careful calling out for God's judgment. Because if the righteous God of heaven comes with soul unfurled, bringing forth judgment, we will all find ourselves condemned. Let us cry not for judgment, let us cry for mercy. And I think there's something to that. No, we need to be very careful in that. God is the judge of all of us. So yeah, I'm not going to judge you, but God will judge all of us. And um, I think there's two things we need to think about as well. One is the concept of speaking out against evil. Because there, there are things that are evil. If I speak out against sexual morality, if I speak out against child abuse, if I speak out against poverty, am I judging those who um, are purveying poverty? Perhaps, yeah, I mean, perhaps. I mean, it's, it's possible you could say that. If I judge, if, if I speak out against, um, you know, some great evil, if I speak out against racism, am I judging those who are racist? I guess you could say that I am. Um, we need to be careful, though. There's no saying, you know, that, that I, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. Um, and that's a trite saying that we've said a lot in the church, but I do think there's something to it. I want to be careful that I judge actions, not persons, if that makes sense. Um, there's a great quote that I saw recently that I shared um, from Ronald Reagan, and I think it's really good. He said, remember, we have opponents, not enemies. I like that, the ability to distinguish between somebody I disagree with and they're my opponent, but they're not necessarily my enemy. The Bible says we wrestle against flesh and bone, that our, our, you know, our enemies are the rulers and the principalities, the, the, the rulers and principalities of the rulers of this dark age. Our fight is always spiritual. So I, I do think we want, to, we want to be careful, not in our ability to speak against or critique or to condemn things that are wrong i mean i mean we need to be we, we this is not this is not this is not saying we should not speak against that which is evil with this i want to be very careful to talk about judgment in a scriptural sense is not saying that we should not have our opinions and our beliefs not just our opinions our scriptural truths that we should we should we should be unafraid to speak um 
that which we know to be true regarding uh, scripture, regarding morality, regarding things like that. So we need to be able to condemn actions, but never condemn people, if that makes sense. And, and part of the problem in our age is this. People have grown to connect their actions with their personhood in a very unhealthy way. Uh, I'm not my actions. And if I commit an act that is wrong, I am more than that act. I, I do not want to be defined by my actions. I want to be defined by my identity. Is that My identity is that I'm a child of God. So we've gotten to a place in our world where people, I think, are too often, are often too quick to link their actions with their personhood. And that's not healthy. You're more than your actions, both good and bad. You're your good actions don't save you. Your bad actions don't condemn you. We're saved or condemned via the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what saves us and condemns us. It's not things what we, not that which we do, because even the Bible says even our our, our righteousness is as but filthy rags. So I'm not saved because I'm a good person. That's not what saved me. It's not that I'm a good person, but what saved me is the fact that I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm following Him. So we're saved not by our actions, but by our faith, if you will. Um, so. Um, when I speak against an action that is wrong, I'm not saying the person that committed the action is unlovable. I'm not saying the person who committed the action is beyond God's grace. I'm not saying the person who committed the action is the scum of the earth. I'm saying that action is wrong. But I do love the person. And I think, I think, we, I think if we're not careful, we use that saying, um, love, the, love, the, love the sinner, hate the sin. We don't really love the sinner, <laughs> you know. We tolerate the sinner, or we we um, we we think about the sinner, but I, I don't know that we really love the sinner. Um, and I want to I want to love the sinner in the same way that Jesus Christ loves the sinner. In that the Bible says that Jesus gave His life for us when we were yet sinners. The Bible says that while we were yet His enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. So I want to I do I want to speak against and stand against that which is evil. But I also want to love even the persons who are committing evil because Christ does. And I want the individuals who are committing evil, the people who are wrong, if you will, the people who are enthralled with evil, to eventually become my brother or sister in Christ. That's what God wants for them. The Bible says that Christ, God wishes that all should be saved, even those folks who are committing sinful acts. God wants them to be saved as well. So I think we need to be careful when we think about judgment. To not think that this is not to say that as Christians we shouldn't speak against what is evil. Because that's not what this is saying. We need to be very careful to make that distinction between the action and the person, though. But another thing we need to be aware of is um, in the concept of judgment, talking about the concept of accountability. Um, judgment is, we just talked about how God is the ultimate judge. But with accountability, um, in our lives, you, me, others, I, I've said this before like this, we all need to have at least one person in our life that we've given permission to to call us an idiot. And when that person calls you out on something or corrects you in some way or speaks about what you need to be doing right or, or, or wrong, this person has a credibility in your life to, to, to speak that truth to you, and you've got to hear it. And that's the thing. Judgment is something that's done from the outside. Um, I see you doing something wrong. I speak. Stop that. You're a bad person. Whatever. That's, it seems to be an external force where accountability is more an internal thing because accountability is something that's given. Uh, accountability, is something, accountability is something that is given over. I say 
to you. I want you to hold me accountable. I want you to help me in this. I want you to help me grow. I want you to help me develop my faith. Uh, judgment seems to be external looking out. Accountability is something that is internal that's then given over. So I have these people in my life who I trust, who I love, who I allow into my life to hold me accountable and to help my faith grow. So that that's the difference between judgment and accountability. And I, I think we can often get those two, two confused because there need to be people in our life. There need to be people in our life who we have given the power to to hold us accountable. If, you, if there's not at least one person in your life who in your life right now has that power to hold you accountable, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're, you're going to get yourself in trouble. There's got to be at least one person. Uh, my wife is that person for me in many ways. Um, I have some dear friends of mine who I've known for a long time who are that to me. We all have that person in our life who speaks truth to us, who, who, who helps us to live lives that are accountable and help. And, and, that, and for me, these people who, who hold me accountable, they help me to know right from wrong. They help me to understand what I should or shouldn't do. These folks who hold me accountable really have helped my faith grow so many times in days of old or in the past. And I know that I could not move forward in my life without those folks that are holding me accountable. So um, so uh, th there's a difference there between judgment and accountability. And, of course, we see here it says, uh, so who were who are, who are you um, then to judge your neighbor? God is the ultimate judge of all of us. Uh, God is the one who, who speaks judgment. God is the righteous judge of all of creation. And so we know that uh, ultimately he is the person for whom we will submit and the person who will in fact judge all hearts. And um, uh, that's why I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus because Jesus is the one to whom, he's the reason why I'm not afraid of judgment because Jesus has paid the price and paid the penalty for my sins. My sins have been forgiven I have been forgiven. I have received grace and mercy. And so I do not fear uh, God's, well, I fear God's judgment because God, God is a, a great judge. But I know that my, my sins have been atoned for and that I can know peace and that I do not have to live out of fear from what God will do and what God, how God will handle my sin. So, um, so who are we to judge our neighbor? That's God's job. Uh, there's one lawgiver and one judge. Not sure, you know, like Fred Mullins quote, I love so much. Uh, Judgment is mine, vengeance is mine, said the Lord, but I just want to be about the Lord's business. And now we'll, we'll wrap up tonight with uh, verses 13 through 17 of this passage. Verses 13 through 17, where it says this. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will do such and such, a we'll go to such and such a town and spend a year there doing business and making money. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wishes, we will live and we will do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance and such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. That's, that's, that's quite the gut punch there at the end, isn't it? He kind of just throws this little jab in there. Anyone who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, that, that action is sin. So let's talk a little bit before we get to that about, about the future and, um, and assuming tomorrow. Notice that this passage here, in many ways, is predicated upon one of these, these themes we see in, in, in James over and over again is the danger and the power of money. So his, his thing about tomorrow, he says, you say tomorrow you're going to go to this town and you're going to live there for a year and you're going to make all this money. Don't do that. Don't count on that. Don't, don't assume that that's going to happen. 
He says, what is your life? You are, I love this line, you are a mist that appears for a little while. It's, then vanishes. It vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, the Lord wishes we will live through this or that. Um, our life is but a mist, but a vapor that appears on the horizon for just a moment. And then it's gone. That, that concept to me is both humbling and encouraging. It's humbling when I realize just how small I am in the grand scheme of eternity. I, I, I'm, I often have a sense of my own self-importance, that I'm a lot more important than I really am. It's important for you to remember that well, no, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just a mist. I'm just a vapor. I'm, what is my life in the grand scheme of eternity? I'm not nearly as important as I think I am. That's humbling. Uh, that 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 line always that quote there in James always reminds me of the line from Shakespeare. Um, out out brief candle, life is but a poor player that struts and struts and fruts his hour upon the stage. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. Yeah, we're not as strong or as important as we think we are. And that should be humbling to us to realize that, yeah, we're not what we think we are. Uh, we're not as important. I think we think we're always the star player of the show, don't we? We think we're always the star player when we're, we're really not. We're really not. That's humbling. And we need that humility. But it's also freeing to me. It's also freeing to know that the fate of the world does not rest upon my shoulders or your shoulders. This world was here before I got here. It'll be here after I'm gone. St. Matthew's is here before I got here. It'll be here after I'm gone. Um, I'm not that important. And I don't have to wear the weight of importance around my neck all the time like I think that I do. So often in our life, we have a over-exaggerated view of self, shall we say. And we can feel like we're so important that everything we do is, we put such pressure on ourselves. Think about how much pressure you're under right now. Think about how much pressure you live under right now. Work and school and play and your kids and everything. Our lives can be full and filled with pressure. And that's not what God wills. And that's not what God wants. It's important for us to remember that um, we're really not all that important. We're but... We're but a, uh, a vapor, a mist upon the horizon. And then it's gone. So don't say tomorrow this is going to happen. That's, that's important for me to think about, too, to think about assuming tomorrow. Because we're, we're all wired one of two ways. Um, I'm a, I, I say I'm a realist. I'm probably more of a pessimist. I don't know. But I tend to assume whatever coming tomorrow is probably going to be bad. <laughs> it's going to go ahead and get yourself ready. Whatever is going to happen tomorrow is probably going to be bad. Uh, that's just kind of how my brain works and how I'm wired. Uh, that's just me. Uh, some, of you, some of you who I'm very envious of are optimists. You're like, hey, tomorrow's going to be great. Tomorrow's going to be awesome. Um, we don't... For those of you, those of you like me who always assume the worst... Assume that tomorrow's going to be bad. We're told that not, not to assume that. If God wills, if God wishes, that's, I can't control tomorrow. 
Just because I think it's going to be bad doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Just because I'm worried about the future doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It's gonna be, it doesn't mean it's going to be awful. Um, God's in the midst of all this. God's in the midst of all this. Um, so don't, those of you who, who are realist slash pessimist like me, don't, don't assume that tomorrow's going to be a disaster. Because you don't know that, do you? I don't know that. You don't know that. It's so easy for us to assume that, but we don't know. And for those of you who are who are probably a bit too optimistic and just don't worry about tomorrow and all, like, hey, it's going to all work out. Yeah, probably, maybe. But do a little planning as well. Do a little thinking. Uh, Jesus says no king goes to battle without first counting the cost. And so or no, one build, no one builds a tower without first counting the cost. I think that's exactly what he says. And so, um, so do your due diligence for tomorrow. I was talking with somebody recently about preaching. And um, I was I was trained by Harold Bryce at Mississippi College to, in my preaching. And Dr. Bryson used to always tell us, um, he'd always say, um, prepare like it depends upon you. Preach knowing it depends upon God. That's always stuck with me. That um, I need to do my work. I need to do my work in preparing a sermon. I need to do my work with church. I need to do all that I can do. Prepare like it depends upon me, but preach knowing it depends upon God. It's God who does all this, not me. It's God, not me. So, you're not as important as you think you are. That may be a humbling thought to you today, tonight. If so, that's okay. Bible says pride goeth forth the fall. We all need a little humility in our life. You're not the most important person in the world, so you don't have to figure everything out. You don't have to have a cure for COVID. You don't have to figure out the economic situation in this world. You're just a human being like me. We're all just humans. We're all just ordinary people trying to figure it all out through God's grace. Don't wear the pressure of the world upon your shoulders. God is with you. God has you. He's not going to leave and he's not going to forsake you. Don't, don't feel like he will. God is with you. And so tomorrow as you plan for tomorrow, don't, don't feel like you've got to have it all figured out. But also, don't just assume everything will be perfect. Do a little work, too. goes back to us walking that line of balance in our life, that line of balance between trusting and doing our part. Um, I have faith, but like Mom used to always say, put feet to your faith. James says, don't assume tomorrow you're going to do this. If God wills it, if God wills it, it's all in the future's hands. It's all in God's hands. The future is always, always, always in God's hand. And like the old saying goes, if you we, we don't know what the future holds, trust who holds the future. God's with us and he's got us in the midst of all this. And then finally, um, <laughs> he ends he ends verse with verse 17, kind of a, a verse you're like, whoa, that's a, that's a fastball out of nowhere. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Yeah, wow, that's strong, isn't it? Anyone who knows the right thing to do and then doesn't do it commits sin. Um, sins of sins of commission are sins that we commit. You know, do, the, the, the things we know that are wrong. Murder is a sin of commission. Lying is a sin of commission. He's talking here about sins of omission. Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Um... Sometimes our sins are not things that we do. Sometimes our sins are things that we don't do. I'm called to love my neighbor. So my not loving my neighbor is a sin of omission. I didn't 
do as I was commanded to do. Uh, if your mama tells you to wash the dishes and you don't wash the dishes, that's a sin of omission. You did not do what you were asked to do. Now, making a big old mess is a sin of commission. Of commission. That's doing stuff you shouldn't have done. So it's not just enough for us as Christians to guard our hearts against sins of commission, against the sins that we know, the things that we're not supposed to do. But I think it's important for us as Christians to guard our hearts from sins of omission. What are the things that we're supposed to do that we're omit, omitting? What are the things that we're supposed to do that we're just not doing? How are we not fully loving our neighbor? How are we not fully, fully loving our God? How, how am I withholding my life from God? So maybe I'm not doing the worst things in the world. Maybe I'm not committing murder. Maybe I'm not embezzling money. Maybe I'm not doing these things that are bad. But have I given Jesus my all in all? And if I haven't, if I'm withholding from him my heart, that's a sin of omission. I'm omitting. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. James here tonight says, he says, anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. Dr. Bryson used to always say this to us. He's always stuck with me throughout the years. He's, he'd always said, God is not as worried about the things we don't know, things we don't understand. He's more worried about, he's not worried about what we don't know, what we don't do with it. He's worried about what we do know and what we do with it. He's going to hold me accountable. He's going to judge me, if you will, for the things that I know that I didn't do, the things that I know that I neglected to do, the ways that I knew the right thing. There's, there's, sometimes, there's sometimes in life I don't know the right thing. There are, in our life, in our life there, are, there are a lot of times in our life we don't know the right thing to do. There are difficult choices to make. Honestly, right now in covid a lot of us feel like that, don't we? We don't really know what to do. We aren't sure what the right thing to do is. We, we feel conflicted. We aren't sure. Yeah, there are moments. A lot of moments like that. But there's moments we know when they're y'all. I mean, there's moments. There's moments we know the right from wrong. We know what the right thing is. We do. We know. We know. And we do things we shouldn't do. Or as James talks about here, we... We don't do the things that we should do. If I know what is wrong, if I know what is right, and I don't do it, then I've sinned. And my desire, my prayer uh, as, as a Christian is to withhold nothing from my God, to make sure that he has access to every part of me, that there's not a single part of my life, my soul, that God is not aware of and God is not at work in and I want to withhold nothing from him so I want to avoid evil acts but I also want to avoid not doing the right thing says tonight Anyone then who knows the right thing to do and fails to do it commits sin. My prayer is that for me and you, no matter where we find ourselves today, when we know the right thing to do, we do it. We do it with grace and love and boldness and truth. That we do the right things. But when we fail, when we mess up, 
when we don't get it right, the Bible also says we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So in the areas of your life where you've fallen, where you fail, where you haven't got it right, where you have done things that were wrong, where you have not done things that were right, God's grace is there. So tonight, if that's you, know that you're forgiven. Know that you're loved. Know that God's with you. Well, thanks for watching Bible study tonight. We're going to pick up next week. Uh, next week, we're going to pick up with James chapter 5. So we're almost done with James. We've got about probably two more weeks. We'll probably break James 5 into, into two weeks. So we'll... Um, We'll do that, and then we'll finish up James, then we'll move on to something else. I hope you're enjoying these. Um, comment below, share it. Um, thanks for watching. Have a great night. Uh, join us tomorrow morning uh, for online devotionals here on Facebook and on our website. Um, thanks for watching. Have a great night.